I'm Guy, here for Mask Magazine at the Mask Studios in Brooklyn, and I'm here with my guest, DigiPoet and musician, Yata. Thanks for coming through. Thank you for having me. I wanted to start, I know that in addition to your work as a poet and a musician, you also are an active tarot reader in New York, and I wanted to ask you how your practice dealing in the realm of the spiritual and magic affects your work as a as an artist. It keeps me excited and curious because I play a lot of my music by myself. So it's nice to think that even when I'm by myself, I'm not actually by myself and that I'm collaborating with people who've come before me or whatever I'm thinking about at the time. I guess in terms of readings that I do for other people. I mean, it's all improv. It's all intuition when it comes to making my music and reading cards for people. It's like stream of consciousness with punctuations of clarity. Yeah. As only a receiver of tarot readings personally, it's like you really want to think that that person is completely in control. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting to hear you say that it's more kind of like free and improvisational Mm -hmm. and like comes from the same space as uh, a... Yeah, it's the same place in my head or... Yeah, it's definitely the same place. And it's just like kind of surrendering. When I'm coming up with sets, I guess what it's almost like I'm dedicating it to someone and sometimes I'll dedicate it to... Not necessarily someone, but healing something in myself. Like if I've gone through a breakup, it's like having footnotes for myself or notes for myself um, as a way to access emotion. It's not necessarily that I'm always channeling, but I'm always using my connection to people dead or alive as a way to access true emotion in the moments that I'm performing because otherwise it feels like it's coming from a head place, which I try to avoid when I'm performing unless I'm tired Mm. or unless I don't really care about the show. (laughs) Yeah. Which we hate to admit that there's, yeah, we're like, I'm just going to do this. I think, yeah, I think that's been more recently because I've been living off of gigs more and I think I'm trying to move away from that so that I can have the shows be more sacred. I guess that's partially why I try to do other things like read tarot so that I can support myself but still be working from a heart place. Do you feel like the pure spiritual connection between the audience and you as a performer is Mm -hmm. sort of diminished or is a little bit changed when it's like, okay, I'm doing four of these a month. This is my rent. Do you feel like that sort of economic calculation Mm -hmm. takes away from uh, the performance? Mm, No, it's nice to have money. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But I I guess I just say that to say that it's more so if I'm exhausted. Mm, True then it's hard for me to do it from a real place or a full place. It's not like the amount of money that I'm getting for something determines how I connect to it. But if I'm, if I'm just doing constantly doing shows and, and I'm a little bit more depleted, it's like brittle. It's like you don't have much to give. So what you give is brittle. Mm. Going back a little bit to maybe earlier in your life, 
did your development as a musician and tarot reader and did those things inform each other at a younger age and kind of develop in tandem or how did that like happen for you? When I was younger, I didn't know that I could do either of these things often or for a living. I I was always interested in magic and myths, but I only started reading tarot when I moved back to Houston which is right when I got out of college. And I, I did it because I was depressed and wanted to find a way to feel like I was actively reflecting and remembering myself, I think, because school distanced me from, my, from who I really am. And with music, I always wanted to be in a band, but it never really happened. And so it was the same thing of just like being by myself in Houston and making music by myself. They both kind of came together at the same time because I was living alone and trying to remember myself. And those were both two ways that I did it, did that. And you said that you always wanted to be in a band, but it never yeah. worked out. Yeah. Why is that? Why did you eventually, um, you know, kind of stick to a more like solo practice as a musician? Yeah. I mean, I know it's I get, very difficult to be in bands. Super yeah. yeah. Um, but now I'm kind of craving it. But I think because I didn't really play any instruments mm. and I, because of that, I felt like I couldn't make music and like I didn't have a place in a band. But I remember I, I dated musicians and was like... I was so supportive, but now looking back, it was supportive from a place of like, that's me too, but you're doing it. So at least one of us is, but I guess I just never really found people working with the sound that I wanted to hear. I feel like it has to happen organically and it just never did. Though I I was in a few like short-lived bands, one that was called Das Sexist, another one that was called Global Dads. And we would have global dad conferences and basically work through our daddy issues. That's great. <laughs> Is that still any any chance of a reunion? That really sounds... Yeah. yeah I don't know if that'll happen. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So those both seem somewhat conceptual, I guess. And like, <laughs> yeah. I think that maybe speaks to a current thread in your work. Like you were saying that you, your initial entree into music, you weren't necessarily trained in a specific instrument or something. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are you trying to create musically? And do you feel that it is connected to like a larger conceptual framework for like all of your work, you know, writing and, and whatever else included? I don't think I approach music thinking, okay, this is the concept. But honestly, I wish that I were making music that's easier to listen to. Hmm, why, why do you say that? I, I think my meter for music is, does my mom like it? Hmm. <laughs> what does your mom feel? How, how, my I, mom's like, stick to your voice. These beats, calm down with the beat thing. Hmm, hmm. What kind of music was like in the home growing up? That, um, that a lot shared? of jazz, mm-hmm, yeah. vocalists, and some South African jazz, and a lot of like Luther Vandross and... Celine Dion ballads that a lot of African or diaspora immigrant parents listen to. Yeah, I don't know why it's always like kind of triumphant, triumphant kind of epic music. But yeah, I definitely want, for some reason, I'm craving to make my music more listenable. Just because at a certain point it starts to feel 
a little selfish. And I think it's a challenge because mm-hmm. for me, what comes out of me naturally is kind of weird. Mm. So I think a challenge would be congealing those things into music that's easier to swallow. It's kind of like I leave the loose ends all, all the time and I'm, I want to challenge myself to take more time and almost see things through because sometimes I'm curious about what constitutes laziness. Mm when it comes to my music and what is intentional. Yeah. I just want it to be more intentional. And I guess I use my mom for a meter because I'm like, I remember we, my, I was talking to my mom about art and she's a nurse and one time she was like, so if I just stood there in my nurse costume and started talking about nursing, would that be art? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, like, definitely. <laughs> and then I was also like, good question. Like, yeah. Yeah, whenever I like, I work at this gallery at uh, Rutgers Newark in downtown Newark, and a lot of the <laughs> students come in with no background in art. Yeah. And they're like, seriously, I've gotten this multiple times. Like, sports bros will come in and be like, yo, you should put a basketball hoop in here. This is a huge room. Like, yeah, all these exactly. paintings. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, well, let's talk about that. Like, that would be a cool performance. When people incredulously pose that question, would it be art if I just did my thing? It's like, yeah, yeah fuck please. Yeah, that's art. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What kind of stuff do you sample? I mean, I, I record all the time. So just different sounds that I come across. People talking, weird machines and toys that I hear, parties, things I come across. I haven't really sampled other people's music too much. I'm pretty introverted, and so I spend a lot of time at home. So the sounds that I'm using are usually from... The past, like being at my family's parties more so. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I never would have imagined where my music would take me in terms of the places and the type of people I play with. The music that I make has brought me into a scene as opposed to knowing that it existed and then making music from there, if that makes sense. My show's are how I go out most. Hmm. I started playing with a lot of free jazz people in Houston when I was living there. There's a really big free jazz scene, which is fun and was new for me. And then when I got here, I decided that I wanted to play a show here. So I emailed 13 places with voice memos Mm -hmm. because I didn't have songs really. And... I I think it was Palisades that was the only one that was like, okay. Word, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, oh shit, I got a show in a month. So then I, I was like, okay, I'm going to buy a 404 and then I'm going to make beats for my weird warbles on my phone. Mm-hmm. And then I bought the 404 and the person who sold it to me, I was like, do you make beats? You're going to make beats for me for this show in, in a month. And so we met up like maybe three three to four times. This was a total stranger? Or this this is a was a stranger. Okay, stranger. Okay, cool. Yeah. Love it. Love yeah. the story. Yeah, yeah. And then we start, yeah. Then he made beats. Wesley Bryan is his name. And he shout, made, shout, to shout out to <laughs> yeah. Wesley. Yeah. Gold Banquet is his project. We made, he made, well, we made beats together. Then we played a show. I think it was the only show we played together. <laughs> and then I was like, great, thanks. And then... I was like, I got to make beats on my own. 
I have to do it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, 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 definitely. You know, definitely. just because yeah. it, it had to feel like it was all coming from me. So now you're in New York. You got the, uh, if people don't know, 404 is the Boss SP404 sample. Mm-hmm. It's a little sampler or yeah. like a big, it's a serious sampler, but uh, <laughs> very popular. Um, so you're in New York. What scene did you start playing in and how did you just said that it sort of came to you a little bit and you feel like maybe the music that you were making attracted a certain kind of show and like, yeah, a, certain... a lot of DIY shows. Cause I think as I was coming here, art and music and electronic music specifically, um, or galleries and electronic mus- musicians started to overlap mm-hmm. in a more prominent way. Um, and I think I actually saw that happening. And I was like, I kind of want to be a part of that. I was living at Flux Factory in Long Island City. So I think I had like a two or three month residency there. And then for the final, my final thing, I wanted to, first of all, play. I actually wrote, I wrote my EP there pretty much. And I wanted to play that music. And I was thinking a lot about technology and spirituality. And so it was like music and performance art. Marceline from Philly performed as well. And I I haven't really curated since then, but I've been thinking about it because I do like when there's an overlap between music and art or performance art. And I think that in the current moment, music is much more equipped to, or music as sort of an overall term for like performance and sound or whatever, mm-hmm. but also just straight music, like pop songs or yeah. whatever, DJing, whatever, seems more equipped to deal with the issues of the day than mm-hmm. yeah. like a painting on a wall. It's almost, yeah, the urgency. I don't know. Things feel too urgent to for me to do other things. I don't know. It feels so dissonant, honestly. Because I feel like there's the internet and then there's my bed, which is where I spent a lot of my time. Well said, well said. <laughs> and then there's daily, daily life and then there's shows. And they don't feel like they're operating on the same timeline. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still adjusting. I know what you mean too about that dissonance of certainly between the world that one can inhabit on the internet and then mm-hmm. having to like leave unplug from that space is it can create a dissonance and then yeah also a dissonance between the world that you know one wants to live in between peers and mm-hmm. kind of like that just basic respect for humanity and the, the the standards that one sets like within their own social group mm-hmm. seems completely out of step with a more global Broad. and national yeah. conversation about w- what the fuck is going on yeah and totally. that's very dissonant yeah definitely it, yeah, yeah. And I don't know, it just doesn't match up very well. And I don't I don't know what that leads to, but it it's almost like you're having to maintain multiple selves and minds all the time. And it makes it hard to have sustained emotion. And I think that might be part of why it seems more difficult to mobilize people than maybe it was in the past because we're so used to switching from mental sphere to mental sphere without even thinking about it. And so what are the chances that you'll be in the same mental Mm -hmm. space as someone? In one day, I'll switch from thinking about Cardi B, Tyrese, (laughs) 
having a mental breakdown Mm -hmm. to the election Mm -hmm. to, um, I don't know. It's just like, fuck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) There's just so much information all the time. Yeah. It's kind of like falling in love with the technology as opposed to what it brings you to. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it seems like your music and your practice in general is much more direct and it's survival. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Do you feel like that helps you? It helps me keep up a good human suit. Mm. I think there was a, a tweet that I saw once that was like being an artist is a loophole for, or is the way that mentally ill people can participate in capitalism. Whoa. That's, <laughs> that's real. Indeed. And I yeah. was like, that's real. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Let the record reflect that Yvette. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yvette is in support. Yeah. Because I didn't even know that that was, that was a move. Um, just because my, nobody in my family is, was in the art world or anything. And then when my bipolar ass found out that you could emote and get paid, I was like, oh. Yeah, 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 totally. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and I'm just like, I just want more people to know. (laughs) Like, (laughs) wow. I don't know what I would do. Mm. Yeah, it's a blessing. And how did you find your way to that? You said that people in your immediate family weren't necessarily involved in the arts. Yeah. Um, although there was music in the home and everything. How did you come to that realization? Like, oh, this is a lane for me. This is something that... Honestly, you know, it was at the end of school, which mm-hmm. just shows you educational privilege. The art world with a capital A, I feel like it's so elusive and undefined, intentionally so. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm so that only certain people enter it and Mm. it's like i got the passcode like the last year Mm. that i was in school Mm -hmm. and then i i applied to get an mfa because i was like oh word yeah this is something i can tell my (laughs) my parents works and of course because my parents are immigrants i was like okay now i have to get the furthest degree in this thing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but i dropped out after a semester and (laughs) came here right and honestly, I'm trying to do a, go beyond that and find new ways of surviving that work in addition to what I'm doing now. I think that's probably why when I, I want to make um, music that's more legible. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. What are your parameters and influences for that? People who operated as art musicians and then slide into pop and other spheres. Mm -hmm. And I guess I think of Nina Simone Mm -hmm. and Grimes Grimes. (laughs) and Bjork. Totally, Totally, yeah, Bjork for sure. Yeah. It's actually super funny that you mentioned Bjork because I thought... I don't know if you, she was DJing in Brooklyn a little bit, like this summer. Oh, yeah. Did you see that? Yeah, I yeah. actually, yeah, yeah, I saw I saw Bjork at House of Yes. Totally. I saw her at like some tiny little yeah. gay bar in Greenpoint. Yeah. Playing straight like wedding bar mitzvah shit. It was great. It was amazing. She yeah. had this like wild look on, like it was cool. Mm-hmm. But I thought about it actually when you were playing me that DJ mix that you oh, made really? for Clock Tower. Because it was that same vibe of, yes, I'm a fine artist and I have such and such a background. I'm. 
presenting as this, but mm-hmm. then here's the CJ set that I think you put like Papa Roach or something in there. Yeah. Or no, <laughs> corn. What, what corn. Corn. Yeah. But... Excuse me, corn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, get it right. Yeah, no, it's way different. I'm sorry. <laughs> With the backwards R. Yeah, get the R fucking backwards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it really reminded me of the Bjork DJ set that I saw. Yeah, but I think you're talking about dipping in and out of, I don't know. It's like, I, if I'm honest, what I grew up listening to is Fallout Boy and <laughs> I don't know, just things that I'm supposed to be embarrassed about or something, and I don't want to be. But also Whitney Houston, and I just want my cousins and my family who's not who aren't involved in this world to care or or relate. I yeah, yeah. and I think it's it's more honest to where I'm coming from. I have the possibility to fly away with my brain and my whatever. And I I think it helps me stay grounded to like reach back to my preteen roots and other roots and be honest about them. It's already possible to be so fractured within yourself. And I think if I'm thinking about gender and sexuality and race all these things fracture me and a lot of the people that i love all the time so it in some ways it feels nice to embrace whatever narrative that exists before i arrived at this person that i am i don't know i'm always trying to like revisit my past selves and bring them here now which maybe is useless but it feels necessary to feel less fractured or at least bring the past pieces of myself to my present self so that I feel a little bit more whole yeah I don't think that's useless I think that's probably a pretty healthy take (laughs) art. seriously Mm. it gets to what you were saying at the very beginning of when we started talking about feeling different people's uh you know spiritual energy kind Mm. of like yeah keeping you company so to speak when you're making music solo and maybe your past selves like in that yeah totally your past selves can surprise you and it's honestly a way of for me it's a way of learning to love myself because I think in the moments that I've loved myself least, it's been when I've been denying things about myself in order to make sense to someone else. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about this moment where chaos is really everywhere in Mm -hmm. any facet of society, how you were saying that you wanted to make your music more accessible in order to curb that a little bit and Mm -hmm. maybe give people more stability. And, Mm -hmm. you know, why do you think that that's an appropriate response? Part of it is I think it will take longer for me to do that. And I want to challenge myself to take more time and focus on details more because it feels like that's sort of pushing up against the current ethos. And I'm thinking that if I'm deciding to do this kind of work that it's important to do the harder thing which is to take the time to congeal what I feel like is floating uh, is floating around chaotically as opposed to add to the to the noise. Yeah, I think at an earlier time, it felt like when there was a false sense of certainty and security, 
in like the <coughs> Obama years. Me. Yeah, the sort of neoliberal fantasy. Yeah, that it felt like cool. yeah, yeah. screaming into the void was okay slash good slash productive. But now that sort of the veil has been lifted, it feels like making making a bed for people to to sit and meditate on weird visual but <laughs> feels more fulfilling use and useful for myself and hopefully for other people and I, I don't know if I can do it but I want to
everything going to be all lies. I'm either crazy or brilliant or actually I'm both.
where to go. And I said, hey, Mr. Cowboy. How the fuck am I supposed to know? And so he wandered and wandered, walking along the desk and then he realized, hey, this is so much fun. I'm having so much fun. Hey, channel, 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 hey,
Thank you.